Let's get it started today, Eric. I'm thrilled to be back with you here today and talk about boundaries. Yes, indeed. It has been a rather interesting uh, week, and I'm also thrilled to have you back and to also hear your voice. Boundaries is a wild topic, and I say wild because for something that is supposed to be confining, constraining, it can also be quite liberating. This is particularly important, not just in the context of our overall topic of mental health and mental wellness, but just how we all move through the world today and certainly uh, living in a pandemic. Um, boundaries have taken on a whole new meaning, sometimes just involving our own personal space and safety. And I think there's just so many interesting places for us to go in this conversation. So let's jump into it. What I'd like to first do, if I may, is discuss it from a clinical standpoint. The definition of boundary is a psychological demarcation that protects the integrity of an individual or group or that helps the person or group set realistic limits on participation in a relationship or activity. There's another one, and it says, in psychotherapy, an important limit that is usually set by the therapist as part of the ground rules in treatment. Boundaries may involve areas of discussion, i.e. the therapist's personal life is off limits, or physical limits, i.e. rules about touching, which are guided by ethical codes and standards. Respect for boundaries by both the therapist and clients is an important concept. This is where we are. This is going to be a big one, and I'm really glad that we've got some help. We are going to be joined by Dr. April Andel, and she is a psychotherapist, speaker, and mental health advocate in South Florida, specializing in love and relationships, mental wellness, and how to make these things work in today's modern age. Welcome, Dr. April. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely, this is a big topic. So happy to contribute. I mean, where do we even start? <laughs> uh, I can only imagine that this is something that you touch on with all your clients. Where do you even start when you talk with your patients and even your colleagues about boundaries? Well, the first thing is, is a lot of times it pops up because usually somebody, you know, they find me as a psychotherapist and they're realizing that something is wrong. I'm marriage and family therapist. That just means I specialize in relationships and people talk to me about what's most important to them. Usually it is their relationships and they realize that something is wrong. Something is not right, usually between them and you know another party. Usually other individuals, things around them are sometimes you have relationships to work, home, family, church, all kinds of things. And it just, it ends up being a part of that very necessary conversation about how you're trying to push over concerns, things that are um, problematic to you in your life and finding out what are the solutions. So it pops up no matter if you are the prince or the pauper, <laughs> you know, it's very, very necessary. It is necessary for all of us. Like whether you're in the midst of crisis or just in mm -hmm. your everyday life. So Eric and I were talking in preparing for this episode, like what's a framework that we could use for this conversation? So we thought about just kind of the who, what, when, where, why, and how. You know, the first thing I could really think about is definitely the what, 
I think a lot of people, you know, when you go back to the basic definition of what boundaries are, I think in the dictionary, it means, you know, a line, a line drawn where you have a limit to a specific area, subject or activity. And so people only operate inside of it in regards to understanding that it's like a hard limit. But when you talk about it in the clothing of therapy and how you're doing your best, all it is really is basic guidelines and rules or sometimes limits that an individual establishes of how others are to treat them and also um, how they behave towards them. So you're basically treating others how to interact with you. And then also along that process, you're treating yourself because you're making sure that people only treat you accordingly. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things that I've learned personally about boundaries is, you know, in the past, you think of it as being this one thing Mm -hmm. to your point about the dictionary definition that it draws a line, but that line, it actually becomes something that allows you to be, to have a lot more freedom. I completely agree. Uh, You don't realize, but there's a reason why boundaries, rules, limitations, guidelines exist. If you go even back to just basic parenthood and your children, you have rules for your children, not to hold them back from all the fun. (laughs) You have them to make sure that they stay safe, that they are able to have fun in a safe way, that they're interacting, you know, in a healthy manner and in a manner that's not going to detriment anyone around them and learned how to be considerate and responsible young adults and grow healthy, well So it's the same thing here. When you're doing this whole thing about in the modern age, I think before it was YOLO, right? (laughs) You only live once, (laughs) you know, and today it's more like living your best life and, you know, your most authentic self. All of those things still apply. So whatever way you identify it, when you incorporate boundaries, you're going to be able to do those things even more. And that freedom of really, truly being your most authentic self, it's, it's going to be the biggest gift once you really work these things out. That's a fantastic point you make. So that's the what. What's the who? I mean, who do we use boundaries with? Who do we not use boundaries with? This is really tricky because we we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different cultures, different ways of how we grew up, different aspects of how we became, you know, we went from child to young adult to adult. And every single experience is different and it teaches us different things. So it's it's challenging here a lot of times, especially with my clients, because of, you know, so who am I supposed to put this down to? You have to ask that very, very question. And as a therapist, I can tell you it's, it's everyone, hands mm. down. <laughs> it, you, re- you don't realize it, but it actually truly is everyone. And if you look up boundary, it pops up all kinds of things. There's personal boundaries, family, uh, work boundaries that you have with colleagues or your boss, friend boundaries, dating boundaries is a huge topic. Relationship boundaries is another topic. And I remember Eric also said, you know, there's even therapy boundaries. There's boundaries for just about every single relationship dynamic that exists. And the difference usually is, is figuring out who needs what. Sometimes boundaries can be rigid. Sometimes they're limited or non-existent. And sometimes they're really loose, you know, relaxed. And the reason why that's important is because when you understand that boundaries have different levels, then you can start to answer more of the who. Do I need it more with my friends or my family, or is it just for work? 
um, that can kind of give you a little bit more direction. Some may feel natural, some you'll have to really enforce. Sounds like in some instances, they're dynamic. Are boundaries always dynamic or are there some that just are and they're there? And Or is that <laughs> A difficult to answer, I guess. It's difficult to answer, definitely, because everyone, every single person is different and their relationships to their people is different as well. So some people may have that dynamic relationship and it's always kind of changing and fluid and it needs to be checked into, tuned in. You stay very abreast of it. And other times, um, it's not even anything that you have to think about. It's very easily understood what is needed, what is what is okay, what is not okay. I love that you brought up that like it really does make a difference in terms of your own perspective, where you grow up, what part of the country, what country, you know, and and the relationship for how that shifts. I'm curious, from your perspective, do you think that boundaries are a luxury? Ooh, that's a good question. The funny thing is that you're asking a therapist, right? So so I'm going to say as a therapist, to me, every single person, just like every single person, including other therapists, need therapy. Every single person, including therapists and, you know, all that need boundaries because you're always usually trying to attain your best. You're also trying to keep yourself safe. And you're trying to grow in nurturing environments. So you really, truly engage in all of that. But as a single individual, I grew up between the Caribbean and the U.S. (laughs) The Caribbean has one perspective of boundaries and the U.S. has a completely different one. And that's a difference between two different cultures, two different aspects of economics. One would be considered third world. The other one would be considered first world. And if you ask me in that direction, I could certainly understand if somebody were to tell me, you know, boundaries are a bit of a luxury, you know, just a bit. They're a bit of, you know, first world problems, you know, because in another country, sometimes um, just that first priority is making sure that you're safe, making sure that you're fed, and your family, people who are close in your circle are, you know, very much a part of you. There's, you know, people grow up in big households. They grow up in multi-unit families. They grow up in tribes. So it's a little bit different depending on where you're coming from and how that's treated. So I can understand that perspective. You know, the, the benefit of having you one is that you grew up in two cultures, right? And um, you come to the West where... Uh, the socioeconomic status is a bit different. It, it's such an important part of life. Um, when mm. you say to your mom, siblings, or whomever, um, I need my space, the great proximity between bodies, physical bodies, is where one can argue boundaries can start from. To me, physical space is where you can start developing a sense of self, right? Because you don't have to keep on relying on others, there's not as much codependency that would happen as it does for some cultures in, 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 in the Middle East, in, in Africa, in, in also Latin America. Interdependency sometimes makes it hard to have strict boundaries. I mean, just a sentence, you know, I can see a teenager say to his mom from Africa, mom, I need my space. I mean, that would be followed by a little slap. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right? Certainly, I kind of grew up similar (laughs) on the Caribbean side. It's funny, but it's also very true. It's very accurate. You don't have space. That family is a unit and it's a very strong unit and everyone's there to support each other. 
But also in that culture, there is this process of where you're able to hopefully grow. You go from young adult to adult. And in that transition, you are becoming independent. You hopefully do develop your own personality that is apart from your family. And there may be a little bit more possibility for inviting such things that would be more beneficial to you, to keeping uh, you know an identity that is solely your own. So some people perhaps maybe do have that luxury and others not as much. And then I'm also thinking about what you said about the physical space. And with boundaries, one of the things is that's usually the very first connotation that is brought on. It's the physical space. You know, boundaries usually the very first definition of it is, you know, in regards to land, physical space. You put a fence around your land. This is mine. You know, there are signs on the outside of it that say that you can or cannot enter. But inside of the human connection, it's just, it's more fluid to me. It's a little bit more gray area rather than black and white. So to me, I still see that possibility even inside of other cultures, but they may not interpret it the same way. Um, And then once they get and have their own families, that becomes something different too. It's interesting that you bring up like boundaries when we talk about sort of physical space, Mm -hmm. particularly in the context of where we are now in uh, a world that is filled with this virus, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. we're having to negotiate physical boundaries in a new way. I'm curious to hear if this is something that you are thinking about as well, how you're thinking about it. Are you and your colleagues talking about it? Is this coming up? Uh, well, not that you can talk about like what, what your clients are talking about, but is this something that is present right now in the industry? More than you know present. <laughs> so very present. It's definitely the conversation um, at hand. A lot of uh, therapists, um, counselors, uh, psychiatrists all around the world, we're just, you know, converging, being able to have these conversations because it has been such a vital thing um, inside the new world that we're in with this virus. And we're, you know, coming together trying to figure out how do we help our clients, our community through this process, and then also take care of ourselves as well. And so, yes, it is completely <laughs> prevalent and very relevant as well. With that process, I think it's a good kind of transition even just to talk about the why, because Mm -hmm. the boundaries there, you can see how very necessary and valuable they are. And one of the key things is that it just, it keeps you safe. And right now we're living in a world with boundaries of physical space and masks and PPE, you know, personal protective equipment and, um, you know, gloves and uh, keeping six feet distance All that um, relates to just the physical aspect of making sure that we are okay. But you have to realize that beyond the physical and getting illness and sickness, you also have the emotional part to all of that. You know, we're in danger of that every single day. This virus just came in, you know, in the past year. But that emotional possibility, the caution that you can be not only hurt, but violated you can end up with people who really treat you terribly. That's when you turn to the news and you see awful things 
happen. But when you're thinking about that process of the emotional that goes into any kind of um, physical harm, that continued aspect of safety carries through. So just imagine that the virus is somebody's terrible words to you or their actual intent to harm you. And you have to make sure that there is a boundary in place. So that's just one reason is safety. And I guess that's kind of the reason even underneath, like even when we're negotiating boundaries in relationships, I mean, safety, I think plays a part in that too, whether or not it's it's safe to express yourself, safe to share your feelings, safe to have certain conversations. And it feels like that might be at the core of it. This is the why of it all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so that we can have better, stronger, healthier relationships. This is something that I wish we had learned in school, like in grade school. Clotilde, I say that all the time. (laughs) That is my favorite thing to say to clients. I wish that everyone had, you know, relationship, emotional support class, you know, from fifth grade, maybe even from third grade. And it should be, you know, something that goes all the way until high school. So when clients end up finding me because they're having difficulties with their sense of self, with their self-worth, often related to how they see themselves in regards to the rest of the world and their own relationships, um, we have a talk about it. And when we have that conversation, we backtrack to what is not working essentially. And um, I often remind my clients, they're like, what's wrong with me? I don't know why I can't figure this out, why I keep going through the same pattern. And I'm telling them, listen, it's understandable. The good thing is, is that you're here, you're seeking help. But remember, this is not something you were taught. (laughs) You should have been, but this is not something that unfortunately was not in school. Sometimes our parents forget to give us these lessons or they don't actually put words to the lessons. Sometimes they just like put the punishment or the metaphor, you know. Why do you think that it's not taught in school. Like how come we have gotten yeah. to a stage in life where that particular very important notion is not really discussed enough for kids? I tell you, that is a great question. And I don't know. I really <laughs> don't. The only thing I can really attribute that to is um, even though I was raised between the Caribbean and the States, I always schooled in the States. So at least in that particular respect of this country, my understanding is that so much of this is tied to funding, that it's absolutely vital that a school makes sure that their testing and their standards and that process is at a certain level, and then everything else is secondary. And I think that's why we've seen the changes in our school curriculum so much, especially in our public schools. You know, there's hardly any PE hear anybody going to recess and you know the whole thing about the art programs being cut sports programs are being cut nowadays so goodness i can imagine the relationship and emotional and communication classes definitely being third tier and they should actually be first you know so it's it's a challenge and i don't have the full answer but that's one of my thoughts immediately and that's really very very sad I love that you bring that up, though, too, because it really breaks us. It it takes us right into the when, right? I mean, when do we learn about boundaries? And Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's probably never too late or too early to to learn about boundaries. And, you know, if only it could be taught in schools and 
And as you noted throughout, right? Like, because as we negotiate life and get older, we have different thresholds to cross, different Mm -hmm. experiences to prepare for and have to kind of come back to how do you establish a boundary? How do you hold that boundary? And you're so right though in thinking like this, It of course it's tied to funding and and, and Mm -hmm. how the curriculum gets built out. And, but you would think that in our ever-changing society, as we look at, you know, how are we going to be in this new world? How do we reimagine? How do we, how can we make it better? I mean, foundations are breaking down before our very eyes. So here's a way to kind of introduce a new, I, I don't know what the architectural word is, but like one of those fundamental core things that like you put in the building that like holds that thing up and makes it like stay and earthquake proofs it. You know, it's like, this is one of them. Yes. I think that's one thing I, I would definitely go to Washington and fight for. It's really just vital to be able to make sure that our kids are being exposed to this because as we are seeing, like remember maybe about two years ago, we had a very new understanding that our children in schools nowadays were having just a completely different perspective on what school was because they were being constantly barraged by the dangers of being at school. They have so much more to worry about than we did. And that's why it's a different experience for them. Like, why is my kid being like this or like that? Because they are literally having a different experience from you. So that was, you know, two years ago. And that was for quite some time we had that. And now with the virus in our lives, it's taking it to a completely different level of something else they have to deal with. So we have to prepare our kids for how they are emotionally, you know, working together, emotionally engaging and developing these boundaries so that not only are they caring and taking care and learning how to treat and behave around others, but also it goes back to them, making sure that they're whole and safe and, you know, emotionally safe that they have self-value, they have a lot of worth, and they have a lot of coping ability to handle the world of today. That's a big deal too. They don't know this out of the gate. You have to teach them. So our parents are a part of it. Uh, school is a part of it. You know, our communities are a part of it. You know, take the village to raise a child. Same thing here. I mean, you've brought us right into the how. So how do you teach your clients about boundaries? How do you talk to your colleagues about boundaries? How do we empower ourselves to even get into a place to start to establish those if you don't have them or if you're still learning about how to use them? You know, a big one is a lot of times you end up with someone like me because you realize that you don't have them. And then inside of that process, you've got to go back. So one of the first things that I say is to make sure that you have a process of being self-aware. And that's hard. That's really hard to to grasp because I, I say that, be self-aware. <laughs> People are like, okay. But <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's more than that. You have to make sure that you are constantly emotionally checking in to what's going on with you, to how you're feeling, to adjust it accordingly, learn coping skills, learn your sensitivities and your triggers, understand your, your past, your present, your future. And then when you've got you, you're able to not only understand yourself inside of a really difficult moment, but then you're able to understand those around you. You can see inside of other people's um, motivations, their behaviors, things like that. And then when you get that process, that's when you're able to tune in to your feelings. That's your intuition. And then you start using that to help guide you to understand, okay, my boundaries with this person 
no longer are working. This does not feel right. And when you go from that process of being self-aware all the way down to understanding um, about your boundaries, it has to include you where you're constantly aware of who you are, your own emotional process throughout that, what physically feels okay and doesn't. And then you just, you're checking in. And if something doesn't feel right, if something is just not sitting well in your gut, if your mind is telling you something, you have to make sure that you're strong enough and sure in yourself enough to recognize, okay, something's wrong and be okay with that. And I've worked with clients who oftentimes they are not self-aware to that point, or they don't trust themselves enough or being able to make their own decisions, not their own decisions, but, you know, stick to their decisions. They are unsure of themselves. They doubt themselves. So they'll doubt their intuition. They'll doubt their gut. And then all of it is a slippery slope when they're learning how to build boundaries. Cause you have to trust yourself first to trust yourself first. You have to make sure that you're constantly checking in and developing that self-awareness. First step. That's a big first step. Can you teach self-awareness? Yeah, I think so. If you know that self-awareness is something that you want to add, you know, look for the resources. You'll find books, podcasts. (laughs) You're going to find articles and magazines. Um, YouTube has all kinds of wonderful things and you're learning them with small steps. How do I check in with myself? How am I doing today is usually your first steps. And then ultimately, you definitely have the support of therapists and counselors. That's another way that you can get and develop that self-awareness. Because inside of therapy, it's supposed to be where your therapist, your counselor is helping you be able to see the larger, bigger picture reflection of yourself and your life and your relationships. So that's another means of um, developing that. Um, And then you check in with people who are closest to you. Check in with them. How am I doing? What do I need improvement on? How can I be better? Or what guidance do you have for me? Or check in with them. Um, How can I support you? Even that pulls back to self-awareness. So there's a lot of different ways. But the number one thing is to make sure that you understand your emotional state. You understand who you are. And when you have a strong sense of self, you know when you're upset and why you're upset. Or you know when you're happy, why you're happy. That's one of your best beginnings. How often does this topic come up with your clients' boundaries? It comes up fairly frequently. Um, I would have to say maybe it's, I don't know, every four or five sessions, you know, or maybe seasons. I like to call that I work with my clients in seasons. You know, we have one season and we're working on this thing. And then we have we fixed through that and we realized like, oh, because it's related to this thing. And we go through that season. And usually the seasons to me are around every, you know, two to three months where we're working on things on a weekly basis, um, talking through those. So it's about every other season is what I would say. So it's not the main thing usually. It's usually when you dig deep and you start to realize like, oh, that's why I have been having this issue that brought me into therapy. But what I can tell you is every single client that I have had, we have worked on boundaries. I can I can almost guarantee, okay, maybe 95 to 100%. <laughs> <laughs> every single one. So maybe we weren't talking about it constantly, but we always went through it together. We always completed it because it always was a part of the issue. It's funny, right? So one thing that we were thinking of is, uh, sharing some personal examples. So Eric, can you share with us, uh, some time in your life of when you either used or didn't use boundaries and how that worked out for you? I don't know why, but whenever I, I think about boundary, I tend to always think 
about a rapport that I have with a member of the family from back home that takes offense to them not having access to what they take for granted. And not out of disrespect, it's just a part of the culture. We can call, reach out, we can come unannounced, we can. And living in the States, you learn to realize that it's rather unhealthy, but your respect for elders keeps you from speaking up. And so you have to find a way to make it known that you need to have boundaries set, have them understand that it's something that they should also be able to respect while not offending them, which is a rather big ask. But again, I'd say on WhatsApp, we have a, a Koli, if you will, community where you get a bunch of texts and messages. And, and, and if, you, if you dare not respond about something that you think is of high value, you just get a bad rap for a while. And <laughs> it's very exhausting mentally. So you flex your boundary on the family WhatsApp chat. See, now they're going to hear this. and <laughs> I just, Well, no, maybe uh, they'll take that and learn, you, you know, they'll maybe they'll have a better understanding of it. Hey, this is where you get to tap into the freedom of boundaries, right? This is when you get disinvited to your aunt, to your aunt's house for dinner. <laughs> How about you, Dr. April? So many, because again, Caribbean family, very loud, very boisterous, very loud, very boisterous. Do I say it a third time? <laughs> you know, so on one hand, my family is like, we are the party. We are the life of all the party, but um, that can also have some negatives. So, um, you know, certain family members now, they know not to speak over me. Don't shut me up. You know, I have things to say. They also know that I'm not a little girl anymore. You know, things like that. And you have to teach people how to treat you. And slowly and surely, some have learned, you know, I've got still got the uncles, you know, <laughs> still, still those. And you have to remind them a little bit, you know. And that's another thing with boundaries, just by the way, is it's not usually a one and done conversation. One of my favorite things to say with my clients is this is an ongoing conversation. Oftentimes with boundaries, this is lifelong, okay? You're going to have to remind these people on a regular, gentle basis constantly. Don't get annoyed by it. It's just, it is what it is. You have to constantly remind people and teach them how to treat you. And then you have to remember how to treat them. Like Eric, when you're saying you always respect your, your elders, same thing. So um, that was a digression, but that's very important. But all the way going back, definitely with family members. And I have had so much boundary setting inside of dating. <laughs> That's one of the biggest, if you type in dating boundaries on Google, it is going to have like 5 million <laughs> results, you know, because it's real inside of today's current day and age of dating, things that are okay, not okay whatsoever, red flags, yellow flags going off, how to say no. Yeah, I don't know if you need a specific example, but I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say dating. It's helpful to hear you say it's not one and done because I, just because I say something once or establish a boundary once, I have to, even for myself, remember that, that mm -hmm. and I also like how you say gentle. Yes, we all need gentle reminders for ourselves and to the other people with whom we are using these boundaries. We have to be able to gently remind them this is what is okay, this is what is not, yeah. and this is how we can move forward 
in a mm-hmm. more peaceable fashion. Uh, but my personal example is dating was an area where I was <laughs> abysmal with boundaries in the past. And mm-hmm. it was only probably in the last five years that I've learned how to have boundaries in dating because I, you know, in the, in my twenties, I would say that, you know, it was just kind of ridiculous. And, you know, here's everything about Clotilde served up on a tray for you. And isn't that what oh. you're supposed to do? No, that is an absolute mess. Don't nobody want that. <laughs> and, uh, and don't nobody have know how to deal with it. So mm-hmm. no. And, and I learned over some rocky roads and some ridiculous moments that no, you don't do it like that. Mm-hmm. And you got to have boundaries and mm-hmm. um, not everything is for everyone. And even when you find your person, whomever that person is for you, nobody wants it all laid out bare for you. You know, that's for you to figure out in your own dome. <laughs> yes. How you take care of you, keep yourself worth. And, and, and then, you know, you'll share a little bit more about who you are. I am so grateful to you for being with us today and just um, having this conversation. It's so important. Dr. April practices solution-focused, hopeful, mindful therapy every day, and her passion is making therapy more accessible, convenient, and readily available to those in need Mm -hmm. and ready to feel stronger. You can find her online offering through Ayana and through aprilandel.com and her own upcoming podcast, Do I Need Therapy? Thank you so much. I would love to come back because this is one of those conversations that comes in 10 parts, you know? (laughs) So just to anybody who's out here who's hearing this message and it's been helpful, I just want to give you just a few more tips. We talked about making sure that you start with being self-aware. That brings you into understanding your emotions and then understanding your connection with others and then really grasping how all that pulls back to you, your feelings and your intuition and your gut. But you also set the limit, figure out what that is. You communicate very directly and clearly what that is to that person. It is going to be gentle, but you also have to be really assertive, direct eye contact, stand straight up, speak in a strong, clear voice, provide what is okay, just as much as you provide what is not. Learn how to say no and mean it. That's a really big one. Those who struggle with how others think of them, other people, they kind of understand that they have people-pleasing behaviors. This is going to be really hard, but I want you to know that you can move through it and it's just small steps in how you're saying no. Then you go back to enforcing the limit. It's an ongoing basis, especially with family. It's going to be a lifetime ongoing (laughs) basis and don't get tired of it. Don't pull in the frustration. Just know that it's a part of that process. Then, you know, seek support. Therapy and counseling is definitely A-OK when you need help, when you need a resource, ask for it. I hope that was helpful just to get a little bit more direct, concrete things they can do just to begin that journey. You've been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you again, Dr. April. (laughs) My pleasure. Anytime.